if, if you're not investing in, in your employees and then using technology to automate the unhuman tasks, then that's going to be kind of one area. And I think that the technology doesn't have to be expensive. I'm not saying that like a local mechanic should make, you know, an autonomous car. Um, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is there are probably tasks inside of the inside of the business that can get automated and then they should get automated. So bring everything down to the absolute bare minimum to get the result. And then after that, use the outside capital to grow instead of just get started. Welcome back to Risk It. Today I have with us guest Michael Tastet. Michael is a marketing and business strategist and he focuses on business development. Michael is quite active on social media and various platforms and I thought he would be a great guest to talk about business development and this topic. So maybe Michael, uh, give us a little bit of an introduction to your area of expertise. Yeah, for sure. I really started my career in a high growth uh, tech startup uh, here in Saskatoon and that's where I really uh, developed my understanding of uh, the technology space and how it affects business uh, and uh, also uh, really a kind of software development as well in that area and then recently I've actually moved over to uh, the Business Development Bank of Canada where I'm really focused on uh, commercial financing uh, of uh, small businesses so I feel like uh, I got a really <laughs> broad understanding uh, of uh, both tech strategy and I guess also like business strategy, you know, with commercial financing. It's very interesting to hear that perspective. And I know you moved from a social, I guess, background with a new tech company that's growing really fast, mm-hmm. taking on lots of employees to, to making that jump. Now, Maybe you want to go in a little bit to the biggest business or personal risk that you've taken so far and give us a little bit of background around that. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I was really thinking a lot about this question when you uh, (laughs) sent it to me earlier before the interview. Uh, And I always like to say, like, I'm a pretty risk averse, uh, averse guy. Like, I don't take a lot of risks. Uh, So I was just looking at this going, ah, you know, I haven't kind of started my own company. I've talked to a lot of people that are, are essentially more risky riskier than me uh, which is always good I think to talk to those people but one thing that I did risk uh, and I think a lot of people can really relate to this is I've made a complete switch in industries where you're in a current industry uh, and you know you're just kind of going to your you know uh, nine to five it was not a nine to five in any in any stretch it was a lot more hours than that but uh, and you can kind of get comfortable in, in that industry that you're in mm-hmm. or in that role that you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you kind of feel like, ah, oh, geez, I don't think I'm, I'm learning anymore or I'm not growing as a person. And I think for a lot of people that are probably you know, listening, uh, it's kind of like, oh, geez, you know, when do I take that leap and do something completely different, which is something that, that I did. I left the current company that I was, I was working with. Still great things to say about them. Like they're absolutely fantastic people. But what I did is I went into a completely different industry. <laughs> Couldn't be more different. Uh, but what you soon find, I think, is when you make those switches is that you see the, um, the underlying themes of, of almost kind of every business. There are similarities in every business, no matter what industry that they're in. So if you can get a firm understanding of what those are and and how your strengths can amplify 
you know, that area of the company that you're working with, you're going to succeed in, in any, you know, industry that you like say move to and getting that wide experience, I think is super necessary uh, in this day and age. So I'm really glad that I made that switch <laughs> and, uh, and I would really recommend other people to, to try that too. That's really thought provoking to think about how so many people want to work for the sexy startup, I guess, is, <laughs> is part of the way to say it. I mean, the company you were at, I would say, is is a quite well-known startup in the city that you live in. And obviously, they're growing quite fast. And making that, I guess, jump back to a more established company is quite interesting when you when you think about that transition because most people are thinking oh I'm working for a very established company and now I want to go work for that startup or you know do that so you're kind of flipping it around on as far as as far as that perspective now when you get into your existing role and and as you had just mentioned about you work with various companies and and you see how they operate what would be the biggest things you say when it comes to identifying, assessing, and controlling risks within business? That's that's super cool, and that's what I think uh, I like the most about this this new job is it's it's commercial financing. So risk mm-hmm. is critical to everything that we do. Mm-hmm. So I look at it from multiple ways. Like there's one risks that I have to take as as an individual uh, to kind of find these companies and see what what kind of works for them. Uh, and then the second is that there's also this risk to the to the company, right? If we're going to help this other company out, and then there's also the risk that the, the actual company is taking the one that we're like financing for. So mm-hmm. I'm going to focus, I guess, a little bit more on like the actual business owner. I don't want to talk about like mm-hmm. kind of the internal uh, internal internal risk stuff. But mm-hmm. I guess for a business, the the riskiest thing that I think a lot of people can do, and this might be awkward kind of or weird coming from like a quote unquote banker, I don't like to use that term, but <laughs> is is kind of getting almost over leveraged, right? So I think, you know, when you're starting something out, it's, you know, very, um, um, I guess, kind of sexy, like you kind of said before in this current environment to go out after kind of like some venture capital funding, right? or I need to, you know, create some, you know, get some debt, right? Mm -hmm. I would recommend if you're just starting out to not do that and postpone that for as long as you possibly can and just really bootstrap stuff. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking if if you're like thinking of, oh, you know, I'm going to take this risk and say start my own business, which I think is a a common risk that I think the listeners would be thinking of, right? Um, The first thing is, you know, start doing it at what I call like your five to nine. So like if you're working nine to five, I know most people don't work those hours, they work a lot more than that. But if you have your energy after that point mm-hmm. to work on that thing that you're really passionate about and that startup, that's a good indication that you're gonna continue to have energy for that even if you work at it during the day. So that's the first thing, putting that time after after hours as kind of like that side hustle. Mm-hmm and then bootstrapping it with your own cash. Because that's something that we see quite a bit when even we have an established company. Mm -hmm. We look at a debt to equity ratio, like how much have they actually put into this business? So if they haven't done that bootstrapping ahead of time, um, it's, you know, we're gonna look at it and and say, well, does this person have skin in in the game, right, Mm -hmm. is the common thing. So bootstrapping as early as you can for as long as you can is only a good positive thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it also you know shows discipline. I think there's a lot of 
you know, you, you, it doesn't take long to kind of do some searches on the, uh, you know, online to see a whole pile of tech startups that have gotten ridiculous amounts of funding and then they just like crash and burn. Mm-hmm. Like that, uh, yeah. what's that blood company, Ther- Theros or something like that? I, I think they're making a movie out of it with um, uh, Jennifer Lawrence or oh, something like that. Man. Yeah, billions yeah. of dollars. They had like billions of dollars in venture capital and it's all tumbling down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you bootstrap it kind of like ahead of time, you're you're wiser with the cash. <laughs> you're 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 wiser and you're you're more financially prudent. Mm-hmm. And those are very very good skills to have. But naturally, you can only really learn those frugal skills if you don't have a lot of cash. Yeah. Like I can't go to somebody and say, "Oh, here's ten million dollars. Be frugal with it." That's not gonna happen. But if I give you twenty dollars, be frugal with it. It's it's more likely to happen. So I think that's one thing to when assessing risk is 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 saying how what actions can I do today and every day after to mitigate those. And I think from a business perspective, bootstrapping is critical. Mm-hmm. Very good points. I mean, you know, I really thought it would be, you know, go to the bank and whatever and do that. And what I realized is, is because I did all this research, I built up a safety net. I built up the the assets that I needed to start my company. And then what was really unique about the whole thing is, is I really learned what you said is that expenses. I think when I started my company, I spent about $5,000 on just ridiculous stuff that I did not need. And, and I was going, what is happening? And it was actually my girlfriend who basically said to me like, why do you have so many subscriptions to so many crappy things? that you never use never but use, yeah. I would I would literally subscribe to things because it was oh this is going to help your business do A or this is going to help your business do B and at the end of the day what I did is I cut things out and because I was bootstrapping and spending my own cash not somebody else's cash I really learned to use resources to the minimum amount and then that way you know say something like Hootsuite I, I only use the, the, free, the free version, version. but oh, yeah. I, I plan on using the paid version in the future when we can justify that expense. And, you know, that's part of the whole reason that these companies offer those free services. So use as many free services as you possibly can is the moral of the story. And, and bootstrap, honestly, get smart with your money because investors also want to see that you're going to be smart with your money. Wow. Yeah. And just one more thing on that. Like, I don't want to say, like, don't don't get money elsewhere because you're you're eventually going to need it mm-hmm. um, but you you want to use it after what uh, in the in the, in the tech space it's called like the minimal viable product the mm-hmm. nvp we're just going to build the bare minimum that we need to to have a product and i think businesses should really look at that as an example like say if you're on consulting right if you're starting your own consulting business you want to do the absolute bare minimum possible to achieve the result that you want for your client mm-hmm. uh, same thing like that you know uh, if you're a salesperson you want to have the minimal viable pitch that you need in order to sell whatever it is that you're selling so bring everything down to the absolute bare minimum to get the result and then after that use the outside capital to grow instead of just get started mm-hmm. that's kind of I think the main difference there because if you're, you know, saying getting money from investors or if you're getting, you know, working capital from a from a bank, which is something we do really great mini sales pitch there. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you use it on on growth, you're going to have a way better return than if you're just using it on starting, quote unquote, whatever, whatever that means to you. Yeah, no, that's. 
that's really important. Now, when we look at that number one reason that you think businesses fail to address risk, maybe something you see now or, you know, something that you've, I guess, understood that companies maybe just are failing to address, what would be that number one thing and what do you think companies can do to uh, mitigate that risk? There's um, two things. I, I always like to try to split up what I know into either like hard skills or soft skills. I have some hard skills and then I have some soft skills personally. And I think businesses are like that too, right? You have something like, you know, I don't know, Coca-Cola is kind of like a prime example. They have, you know, a soft skill, which is their brand, you know, and then they have like a hard skill or a hard asset, which is their supply chains, right? So both of, I think every business kind of has, you know, one really good hard skill that they do Mm -hmm. and one really soft skill that they do really well. But you need both of those (laughs) in order to really, really kind of, you know, kill it and do a great job. So from the soft skill perspective, I think the the one thing that many businesses are missing is that forward thinking so an anticipating disruption i guess would be a better word to kind of say that um there was a a a client that kind of said something to me once and it stuck with me for for years which is change will never be as slow as it is right now change is not getting slower Hmm. it's only going to get faster so if you're not anticipating what that disruption is going to be by the time that it already happens you're, you're done So you really need that soft skill of anticipating, okay, where is our industry going and what am I actually really doing, right? And that's why, you know, kind of the taxi industry is completely failing because they didn't really anticipate, well, what is it that I'm actually doing, right? (laughs) Where is this industry going? And, And I don't want to... in you know, put fear into everyone's in everyone's mind. But, you know, there is an Uber coming for your industry. Mm-hmm. There is an Airbnb coming for your industry. So you have to really anticipate, okay, what is that going to look like? Where is that going to come from? And you have to kind of have that anticipation. So that's the soft skill. I think the second uh, skill is a, a lack of, of, of working capital uh, and, and, and financing. So there's, and, and that's, you know, one thing that I, I find really, really frustrating. Say if you're a business owner and you have, uh, you know, good cash flow, you've got a good business, um, and you want to buy this building to expand. And, uh, and the problem is, though, that you need uh, to go to a bank. And the bank is going to say, you know what, we can kind of do 75%. Well, geez, I don't have that extra percent in, in cash. Mm-hmm. I could get it. And then all of a sudden, I'm, you know, my, 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 uh, my cash that I'm getting year after year is just going to be super, super thin and I'm not going to be able to really make it. Yeah. So then what happens? Well, that business doesn't get that, that building. Hmm. So kind of having um, really, um, you, know, uh, you know, kind of good financing where you can kind of get to a bank where they don't dig into your working capital as much as other people because working capital is and and for people that don't know it's just current assets minus current liabilities so what you want to make sure that you you have is that you have enough cash to cover you know crazy stuff that comes up like oh geez you know that you know supplier uh, shipment is late or you know a couple customers don't pay you you need that buffer in order to sleep at night and in order to grow and so if you're kind of taking too much out of it on, on expansion, <laughs> then your expansion, your growth is going to happen later on down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really kind of what got me to move to that, 
new position at um, at uh, the Business Development Bank of Canada because we that's you know it's a federal crown corporation that is designed to fill that need that the banks don't do. Mm-hmm. So it's really really great where you know I can you know see firsthand you know uh, the 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 impact that it has on on the overall economy and that's why things like that exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think those are kind of two things that. You know, from a soft skill perspective and a hard skill perspective, that businesses really need to address managing their working capital, uh, you know, efficiently and effectively for growth, uh, profitable growth, I might add. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then the 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 soft skill thing is anticipating where the disruption is going to happen uh, because it's coming for you, mm-hmm. no matter what you know industry you're in. Okay, that actually is a, a perfect segue into, I guess, the what if section before we wrap up here. And what if I do have a business and I am anticipating that disruption? I mean, you're a technological savvy person. What what should they do? I mean, some companies don't have huge R&D budgets like Procter & Gamble or something like that. So if you are maybe an SME or small to medium business, what can you do to, I guess, identify or even see that disruption coming i think you have to you have to one always be investing in technology and asking yourself how can this technology help our employees and help us so most people i think especially in canada if you look at just the broader stats of the country that we're in you know our smes under invest in technology compared to the compared to the average, broadly speaking, um, and I think that the problem is is we have to ask ourselves how do we almost become like human entrepreneurs? I think that's a kind of a good way to put it. We have to be human entrepreneurs and use technology to automate the things that aren't really human, like you know putting in data entry and all of that sort of stuff. That's not a really a human like characteristic. A human characteristic is kind of solving a complex problem or dealing with a customer or showing some empathy or, or you, know, um, you know, seeing a larger vision. And if your employees kind of aren't doing that, then chances are there is some technology out there uh, that, can, uh, that can do whatever it is they're doing. So really looking at your employees and saying, okay, how can I, you know, almost in a, in a family-like sense, you know, educate them or help them become better, you know, employees so that, you know, they benefit your own company, but then they also benefit their overall, you know, trajectory. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of companies that fail in that disruption is because they didn't invest in their employees to be better than the disruption that was coming. So you're, you're really only as good as the sum of all of the parts. So if, you, if, if you're not investing in, in your employees and then using technology to automate the unhuman tasks, then that's going to be kind of one area. And I think that the technology doesn't have to be expensive. I'm not saying that like a local mechanic should make, you know, an autonomous car. Um, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is there are probably tasks inside of the, inside of the business that can get automated. And then they should get automated. And then you should invest in those employees because, you know, the automation is just going to do a better job. So then invest in the employees, give them new skills so that they can remain competitive. And if they remain, they are competitive, then your business is also going to be competitive. And that's why I think the investment in technology is absolutely huge. We have to, you know, be more like human entrepreneurs, uh, do more human things and let the machines do the machine things. 
Wow, I hope everybody heard the value bombs that just got dropped there. I think it's really big to think about what Michael just said and that disruption is going to have a difficult time dealing with things like empathy because because yeah. computers are really able to, you know, take things like data sets and and do things that humans don't want to do. But things like, you know, telling stories and and caring and and maybe to an extent problem solving with a very holistic view, including the human's perspective is very important. And that those are the types of things that we we need to develop in our employees. But then we also need to look to outsource those tasks that are maybe uh, processing or even data entry to things or to other technologies that are out there. It's been Awesome, obviously, to hear about your perspectives, Michael, but how can the audience connect with you or hear more about what you're up to? Yeah, I'm, I'm ill-prepared for this question. <laughs> uh, you, you guys can uh, all reach me at, uh, at LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there. Michael Tasted, that's spelled T-A-S-T-A-D. Uh, put a link to, the, uh, to my bio there. But uh, in regards to kind of the personal branding, I'm super far behind, and I'll personally admit that. Um, I'm kind of currently working on on putting up like a personal uh, personal website, michaeltassa.com. But I think that's you know, uh, I'm kind of talking about areas that I should be working in that also everyone should be working in, <laughs> which is kind of personal branding. Having that down is is very vitally important. But you know, I'm kind of like the pot calling the kettle black here because that's one area that I need to work on so when I saw that question I'm like oh damn I'm gonna (laughs) you know the truth is gonna come out that this this guy needs to work on his what he's what he's talking about which is true (laughs) no that's uh, I think there's always things that we we want to work on I mean I know you still have a pretty active social media game and that's how that's a that's one of the reasons I reached out is because I can see how you're always reading articles and always posting on things that are very thought-provoking but I will make sure I link to your show notes uh, in the show notes page I will link to your LinkedIn and then when you do get that (laughs) michaeltassad.com I'll make sure I link to that as well there we go sounds good (laughs) now in closing Michael I always like to find out a number one resource uh, whether it be a book or an application that you would recommend everybody check out the first, uh, just to talk about the tech area, and if you want to learn about tech and all that sort of stuff, there's one book and one blog post I think you should, uh, everyone should read. The first book, no matter what you think about his politics, Peter Thiel is a brilliant venture capitalist. He wrote this amazing book, Zero to One. Mm-hmm. I think that is the best business book ever written. I have read it every year since it's been published. I think it is amazing. So read that, like di- consume it. The second... <laughs> Is, aggreg- is a blog post called Aggregation Theory by Ben Thompson. This is fantastic. And I think what that's going to help you in is, is figuring out, okay, where is that disruption going to happen uh, for my industry? Great, Michael. I want to thank you for coming on the show to talk with us about risk and your experience. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. And I'll be sure to link to all those resources in the show notes page. Thank you again and talk to you soon.